0: Two extremely heavy suitcases, half a semester worth of tuition in the form of travelers checks, I find myself exactly 14,705 miles away from home, thriving in the great American dream. Well, most stories that you hear about this kind of a journey starts off very bleak, poverty, struggle. Mine is not such a story. Mine is a story of a young man who left and came here, dropped a career that I was extremely successful at to come and search for what I've considered to be the next step. A very moving Conversation is one that I had with the registrar when I first got here. Got to the school, had my two very heavy suitcases, went into Bob's office and introduced myself. He looked at me and he looked at my file and with his head tilted with curiosity, he looked at me and said, what are you doing here? Well, It is this question that I'm going to attempt to answer in this podcast. What am I doing here? So if you've been following, you know that uh, now um, I'm in the special finance department. I'm the special finance manager. Uh, Things are good. Life is good. Everything is going pretty good. Uh, We've had uh, several months of success. And uh, I'm getting the hang of this thing, you know. So to understand everything now. I don't use the flashcards anymore. Um, I think I got it. I think I got the hang of this thing. So, you know what? Before I move on to to uh, to the story, um, I want to address something. I, I I've got a confession to make. I've talked a lot about uh, the good book. I've talked a lot. I think about God and and. Uh, and faith and all that good stuff, I want to make sure that I explain something to you. That I don't want to come out as this great man of faith, this, this great man of faith who is all right and everything is straight and everything is good and doesn't do wrong and all of this stuff. Okay. I'm the exact opposite. I do wrong. I've done wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm going to continue to do uh, wrong things. Um, so I just want to make sure that I put that out there, so I don't paint this picture of this guy who is a uh, who is you know striving for perfection. We all would love to be perfect, don't we? We all would love to be perfect, but you know I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not naive enough to think I'm even going to get close to what that word means. So I I thought it was important for me to mention that. But anyway, um, the one thing I do have, though, in a very small quantity, very small, is faith. Now, yes, I do have faith. Yes, it's in small quantities. But you know what the great thing is? Or the surprising thing is, or I should even call it the humbling thing, or the scary thing is, that small amount of faith has given me so much, has made me realize that, boy, if only I had a little bit more of that faith, wow, it will be crazy it'll be mind-blowing what else I could and can accomplish. So as much as I say that faith requires action, faith itself, having it, is so important, is so critical, because that's what fuels your engine, isn't it? That what's, that's, that's exactly what allows you to turn onto a dark road and go forth. Why? Because you have faith that at the end of this road, They're great things. And believe me, they're great things. So our job is to be a power steering. Meaning, when you're turned, try and turn with ease. Without too much friction. Without too much strength. Opposing strength. See, back in the day, cars did not have power steering. So when you are turning, you are really turning. Muscle and everything. Now you can turn the steering wheel your baby finger, you know. That's what we need to be today. We need to be that power steering wheel that when God is turning us in the right direction, we easily turn right, left direction, we easily turn left. That's critical because it makes things easier for you. Because in most cases, you are going to turn. You are going to turn. But if you learn to listen to that voice, you're going to be much happier. And as bleak as it may look, If you have faith in what it is that is being said, then it will work out just fine. The reason I bring this up is is because if you've been listening to my story, you've listened to uh, all five episodes so far, you're kind of seeing a pattern. You're kind of seeing uh, a way that things are going. We're talking about the changes in life that are happening. And... Not to bore you with the uh, 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 details. It's 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 not always easy. I'm not just jumping from this to that with great ease all the time. Sometimes it's, it's hard. Most of the times it's hard. Most of the times I don't understand it. Sometimes it's because I don't have a choice. Just like right now. Like I said, I'm doing okay in special finance. I, I, I now know what I'm doing. And and I've created a little reputation for myself. Banks know who I am and all this good stuff. And everybody's proud to to be working with me because uh, everybody takes credit for, 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 for teaching me. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. It doesn't hurt my pride any at all for Banker A to say, you know what, this kid, he came on, he didn't know a thing, and I told him everything he knows, and now he's doing very good. That's, you know... <laughs> It doesn't bother me one bit. So, here comes another twist. Regis, come and see me. I walk over to his office, sit down. Listen, I'm going to move you to regular finance. You're going to become a contractor. Finance manager, some would say, call it. Oh. Okay. Um, when? Starting Monday. <laughs> uh, Okay now this is something totally different folks i mean if you've been in a car dealership this is this is a this is a guy that's going to sit down and go over all your paperwork with you talk to you about all the protection plans that are available and sell you some of those and put all the paperwork together make sure all the titling everything is done correctly and he knows i've never done this before i've got no clue but That's what he wants me to do. And I could cower and say, you know what? I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I'm going to stay in my current position. I don't want to mess with this new stuff. I'm just getting the hang of this and I'm starting to make a little money. I don't want to start something new. But I see this again as the glass ceiling that I was talking about earlier on as a break in the glass ceiling. It's something new. Is something new for me to learn. So why not? I jump in. But jumping in to what? I've got no idea. No clue. So come Monday, I'm now a contractor. I'm now sitting down with customers. At least that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So they spend a few days showing me how to do things, explaining this and that to me. And I'm getting a hang of it a little bit. Okay? Totally different uh, uh, expectations from a technology perspective, from computers and programs. You've got to do this, you got to do that. I, I mean, totally different. But I embrace it and I say, okay, I'm, I'm going to learn as much as I can, take as many notes as I can. So I spent about, you know, two, three days sitting with these folks, shadowing these folks. And then I think on the third or fourth, the end of the third day, they threw me in there. Okay, let's uh, let's see what you can do. And thank God, the next week, the following week, after uh, uh, being uh, in the position for two days, um, the following week they sent me for training with a consulting uh, group here, and those guys sat down, and obviously it's it was a week uh, week or so class. They sat down. They explained everything, what you were doing, how you were doing it, how to put this together, how to do this, and how to do that. And I come back from this training, and like I said before, if there's one thing I'll I'll, I'll give myself credit for is I listen. I'm a good student. I take notes, and I come back, and I, I get in that office with a renewed confidence. Okay, now I understand what's going on. Now I understand what I'm supposed to be doing. Now I understand how I can do it. And keep in mind when, some, when, when you're being taught something from, um, uh, from a class, often it doesn't give you all the twists and turns. It's not exactly the way it is on the street, so to speak. It's giving you a very nice version, a very clean one with no major obstacles. But obstacles they are, and the road is nothing but clean. But I get in there and I'm doing this thing religious, to the T. If there are 10 steps, I'm going to do 10 steps regardless. And we were the first people or the first dealership to start recording everybody. So you came in the office and we told you we record all of our transactions for your safety and ours unless you I've got major objections. We're going to carry on. If you do, we'll, we'll um, have you sign a waiver and we'll turn off the cameras. 99% of the times, nobody turned off the cameras. So what this did for for me is that it, it was a training tool because it allowed me to look at myself and listen to what I'd done um, with a previous customer after this one leaves, if I don't have another customer coming in. So I could change my approach, so to speak, or I could fix certain things that didn't go right for the next customer. So this quickly, this this training aid, I called it, uh, quickly became a useful tool because I could do a an autopsy, so to speak, and, uh, autopsy or postmortem is, is a word I use today, even with my, with my managers that let's look at it and see what you said and how you said it, what you could have said and how you could have said it. Let's see what you said. Let's do a postmortem of that, of that, uh, of that transaction. And we do. And we come out better because we come out with a solution. We come out with things that we can improve. So recording yourself when you are in a situation where you are selling or you're presenting something is a powerful tool. So anyway, I used this and before long, I I got better and better. The more I got comfortable with the computers, the more I could now go back to my bag of tools as a salesperson and take out some of those tools and use them to present my products, to talk about what I was doing to um, help my customers protect their investments so I mean this 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 is new, but it, it, it starts going really well it starts going really well but when I first got the offer or when he first told me that he was gonna move me, my stomach dropped. I was afraid I was afraid of change but what did I do? I took it up anyway because. I had faith in the fact that this was a beginning of something else. This was a beginning of me heading in the right direction. I was going towards what I thought, what I considered to be the next thing. My goal was to move up on the ladder and the corporate ladder. That was my goal. My goal was to become a manager. My goal, like I said before, I saw myself being in the management of this organization and of this industry. And these things were lining up. These new turns were coming up to help me fulfill my goal. What had been put in my spirit is what was manifesting itself. But it required me to be faithful In the process, it required me to take it upon myself to say, yes, I'm going to go for it. And yes, I'm going to learn as much as I can. Yes, I'm going to take good notes. Yes, I'm going to be a good student. I'm going to learn this the best I can and be the best that I can. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. So the important thing here is for us to understand that you do need to work hard, and work hard you will. Because if it's good, it requires hard work. The important thing for us to realize here is, without faith, you're lost. You really are lost. I was so religious in, in the manner in which I did this job. I remember um, I had a customer comes into my office, um. Uh, over a folder. We talk about a deal. And keep in mind, I'm recording all of this. And uh, the bank had set certain parameters in which we couldn't do a whole lot of protection for her. And what the school had said is that in that situation you just ask for more money. You just ask for money. Say, okay, this protection right here, go over go over your spill and and then say, okay, the bank has set some parameters for us but we can take care of this. We can take advantage of all of this if we get some money from you. And um, I remember doing it like that. And I think I asked this lady, I kind of, someone got the amount of money. I don't remember how much it was then uh, now, but you know, Three four thousand dollars or something like that, and she whipped out a check, <laughs> and she wrote me the check for the protection. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it, and I think that that uh, that CD that uh, of that transaction was uh, later shared by a whole lot of people as to what uh, blind faith or. Or, or ignorance, whichever one you want to call it, uh, will do for you. Because I was fresh out of, uh, out of, um, out of the training school, and that's what they say you do, and that's and that's what I did, and it worked. But you know, if you were to ask anybody with some experience in this job, just how many people would go that route, there are very few. There are very few who have the confidence of asking for that amount of money. Because again, we've got a perception of what we think is going to happen. Now, what we think is going to happen and what actually happens are two different things, aren't they? So my faith in the process, my blind faith in the process, actually helped me realize that, hey, you know what? Don't limit yourself to what you think people would do. Give everybody an opportunity to react to their own situation. Give everybody an opportunity to say yes, they can do this or yes, they cannot do this. That's what I got out of it because it was surprising, shocking, but at the same time, it made me realize, whoa, so what I've got in my head is not fact at all. Because I don't know these people from Adam. So it's important. As a salesperson. To not assume. The position. Of a. Customer. Just because they're wearing shorts and flip-flops. Does not mean that they don't have. $30,000, $40,000, 60000 in, uh, in their pocket. Just because. You think is too much money. They think the same. What you would consider to pay for a watch is not what I would consider or what the next guy would consider. Because if that was the same, nobody would be buying a Rolex. Nobody would have a Louis Vuitton bag. But the reason why those products exist and the reason why there are so many brands out there is because what you do has got absolutely nothing to what the next person does. So don't paint all your customers with a broad brush of, hey, oh, this is expensive. Oh my goodness, this is, you know, $100,000. This is $200,000. Don't do that. You're not in their position. You're not writing the check. You're not making the payment. Your job as a salesperson is to meet a need. Is to discover the need and meet the need. That's your job. That's your only job. Because if you do anything else outside that and try and figure out or try and judge as to what they can and cannot afford, boy, are you losing out. Are you missing out completely? Let me sidetrack. I'll tell, tell you a quick story. I'm in Houston, Texas. Um, and I'm standing on a showroom floor for luxury dealership. And I'm a manager. I'm just walking around making sure every, everything is going well. And this guy walks in. I bump into him. I introduce myself. Welcome him in, etc. etc. And there are two... V- there were no, there were four, I think four vehicles, four or five vehicles on the showroom floor. He points at one and he said, I want that one and that one. That one. Okay? But I want that one in black and I want that one in white. Do you have them? And I said, Yes, sir, we do. And he says, Okay, here's my card. I want them delivered to my house. I'm gonna go and get a cup of coffee, get the paperwork ready. Just like that, this was a total purchase of more than a quarter of a million dollars. The two cars he was talking about combined were about two hundred forty two hundred forty five fifty thousand dollars with taxes and everything else, you know what I mean this was a huge purchase, but just like that and I'll tell you. Had I not greeted this guy myself, I doubt that my salespeople would have been storming up to go and say hi to this guy. Because he did not look the part at all. He did not look the part of somebody who's walking into a luxury dealership that sells hundred and some thousand dollar cars. But we did make that deal. We did deliver those cars to him. He came in, sat down with my uh, finance manager. Did all the paperwork, stroked a check, left. And that afternoon, we delivered the cars to his house. So, I can't stress enough the importance of understanding that it is not your job to get in a customer's pocket. You trust the process, go through the process, find out what they need, give them what they need, and tell them how much it is. It's that simple? So, circling back to to the story, being a finance manager turns out to be turns out to be fun. It's a slightly different experience. You're now helping the full spectrum of people, and uh, you're now doing something slightly different, which is uh, selling it again uh, directly to the customer. So this provides for. A pretty good lifestyle, and at this time, I'm making significantly more than my old uh center director at the at the at the call center. But the question is, had I not been smart enough, bold enough, stupid enough, had I not had the faith to move on? to listen to what's inside me to listen to the dream that I had I would still be there I would still be there making the peanuts that I was making and never have known this new world this new life I wouldn't have known so need I say it again faith is powerful obedience is powerful but most of all You have to put some action towards your faith. Have to.